Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, Dor. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, you know, back in LA. What's your honeymoon update? What is this, week 12? <laughs> I've no, no, we're, we're not even a month in, so. So what have you been up to? We're back in Chile, and we did this hike, and I can tell you, we're not hiking people. And I'm going to piss off a lot of people. It's a stupid hobby. Walking six kilometers in a forest, I'm like, I get it. It's a tree. <laughs> And this is the man who decided to spend 17 <laughs> years on honeymoon in South America and Patagonia. This is the last bit of hiking. <laughs> no, but this is my theory about hiking. Yeah. Hiking is a hobby created to basically distract us from poor infrastructure building. Like we could have built the car park next to the lake, but no, we had to walk 20 kilometers to it. Dor, I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> Who wants to be at a beautiful lake and see a parking lot? Like I, nature, it's, it feels therapeutic and good to be in nature away from society, away from humanity. I could not disagree with you more. You could just put the car park behind the ridge. It's fine. It won't get in the photos. Yeah, but how are you going to like use your imagination, bend your mind to pretend you're in a pre-modern world if you're looking at a Volkswagen? You know, it doesn't work. My name's Jeff. I'm calling in from California. My name's Dora, and I'm joining you from London. Out of 16 million, we are two. Two freaked out Jews. It was about a 20 kilometer hike up a mountain. And when I say up a mountain, I mean literally just rocks. Uh, it took us about nine to 10 hours. It was awful, Jeff. I got flashbacks from the army. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I know we were both combat soldiers. You remember like every week or two weeks, we had to do these masal, these hikes, do you remember? In training, we did. Yeah. Yeah, in training. And I, and you know, it's really bad that I'm saying this because there's, you know, soldiers fighting right now and Gaza suffering much more than me. Here I am having my nostalgic moment of trauma. But every week or every two weeks, we had to do these massive hikes in the army and they got progressively worse. I think five kilometers all the way up to, I don't know, 50 kilometers, 60 kilometers. I don't remember what it was. And I remember there were a lot of people like you, Jeff, oh, casually, whatever, another walk, who cares? For me, I, I dreaded it every single time. It was awful. I suffered. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be easy. It's no, it's not. It's going to be awful. It's hard. And um, that's how I felt. That's how I felt walking up this shit. Uh, what else? Did you have any car rides where you got to listen to the podcast episode that I did without you while I was at the Pirate Weekend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that, of course. So what did you think about the episode? What did you think about my interviews? So... It's always good listening to you, Jeff, and not having to listen to myself. So that's positive. So I really enjoyed it. You did a good job. I mean, I'm looking forward to your next, uh, your next, your part two, your part two of... Uh... Part two. I interviewed two more. Yeah, I interviewed two more of my friends on this weekend, and they're awesome interviews. I'm excited to hear. I, I like different uh, perspectives, and I'm hoping to hear a little bit more about your... Uh... Are we going to hear drunk Jeff on this uh, <laughs> no, part two? No, I didn't, I, I didn't record any drunk interviews. This was all hungover Sunday morning. I got four interviews. Okay, so we're going to hear hungover Jeff. Yeah, more hungover Jeff. He, he's, he's a good Jeff. I liked listening to him. He, was, he didn't interrupt as much as I usually do. So without further ado, part two of Jeff's Pirate Weekend with his friends. Okay, sip tea. Can, yes, you can sip tea, my friend. 
What time's your flight? Uh, 3.20. All right. But I'm just going to jump right into the meat. Why are you a freaked out Jew? <laughs> it's too emotional. It's it's really emotional, and it's really hard. It's hard to it's hard to articulate, but at the same time, it's 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 so important to say it out loud. You know, for me, um, for me, like the story of my grandparents. You know, they both. Um, on my on my mother's side, they both had their own journeys to get to the states as a result of of persecution. And uh, with my grandfather, he lived in Western Ukraine, and uh, he had an experience prior to World War Two where. He actually had a family. He had a wife and he had a son. And when he was away uh, on business, there was a time where he, he came back and uh, his his wife and his son had been slaughtered and he lost his family. And that was just a result of a, a pogrom that had gone through his town. And then my grandmother, she survived. Uh, she survived... Uh, her t- seeing her town being turned into a ghetto and then being forced to a one concentration camp and then another concentration camp and then to survive a death march where she saw hundreds and hundreds of Jews fall to their death and to survive all that. And, and you know, it's really hard... As a grandchild of those people, for me, I always enjoyed them as grandparents. To me, they were my Bubby and Zadie, and they have they have legacies in their community. They did a lot in their communities to strengthen Jewish identity, uh, establishing things like Holocaust memorials and contributing to Holocaust organizations and telling their stories and things like that. But there's a part of me that, like, you know, I never thought of them as, like, you know, Holocaust survivors. They're my Bubby and Zadie. And, and those stories to me are, were always important stories growing up as, a, like, a warning of, maybe not even a warning. It was just they were always important stories to remember, like, hey, we got here today to this, these safe and secure times. And this is what we had to go through to get here. And then to see what has unfolded, not just the acts of October 7th, but everything since then, so long I've just wondered, like, I guess not wondered, but for so long I've considered, like, the events of World War II and the Holocaust as a thing that happened in the past, like that can't happen again. We, we've learned about like, right. and then to see how everything unfolds and how people are reacting and, and, and what feels to me like a distortion of, of 
how we, how we are talking about like what Israel is doing and its right to defend itself, it's it's just heartbreaking. And also, you have you have a wife and children, and you live here, and before October seventh, the idea of you experiencing anything close to what your grandfather experienced with his first family seems such a distant thing but now it's like wait what like it is and if someone tells us oh you're being alarmist stop comparing to the holocaust if you if that thought crossed someone who's listening this is mine shut the fuck up (laughs) well beyond that i also my first cousins are israeli yeah so my grandparents had two children one my mother the other my aunt my aunt moved to Israel in her 20s, uh, married an Israeli, had a beautiful family, and I've got four cousins, three of whom still live in Israel. And so for them, that is actually like a world that they have to, they're navigating right October now. October 7th looked in many ways like a Ukrainian pogrom. Absolutely. There was rape, there was disgusting murder, there was just Jew hatred. For sure, when you're when Jewish people are reacting in this really extreme way, it's because we're seeing things from our extreme history unfold today. Yeah, so like you know, I've had I've had multiple I've had multiple occasions where our our day school where our daughter goes for daycare, like it's a, it's at a synagogue and there's a Jewish community there, and you know they've multiple times had to send out emails telling us about. Uh, how they're heightening security measures because a protest is going to happen outside of the synagogue. And, and like, this is multiple times, you know, since these events. And, and, and I just am, like, thinking to myself, like, what is going on? Why, why is the place where my daughter is cared for a place that deserves to be a target for... It just is. It just. It's so hard to comprehend. It's not logical. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but there's also there's so much more. Like, so you ask like, why am I freaked out? That's like that's like one. Yeah, one of, of the many reasons. reasons. I know. I, I talked to my. I you know like I talked to my dad the other day about like Netanyahu. A lot of people like got uh, upset about how Netanyahu like said something right about yeah, like their, two state solution. Their, this, yeah, the two state solution and everyone's upset and now everyone's annoyed. So we had this whole conversation about like people being annoyed with Netanyahu. And then, and then I, I, I talked to him about this and I said like, but at the same time, like, do you realize what we're talking about? Like we're criticizing Netanyahu because we believe that he should know better than to say something because he should know his words are going to be distorted to be used against him, like to, you know, further emphasize right. the fact that we're this genocidal state or whatever. Yeah. And, and I said, like, that alone is heartbreaking because it's like we've accepted this reality that we always have to operate with a filter because right. people will always distort what we're saying. Like, as, like, as a Jewish people, like, we are, we are always at risk of... You know, right. people being like, ah, wait, I heard that. Yeah. And I had a, I had, that wasn't even until we got 10 minutes into our conversation about Netanyahu. Right. That I'm like, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. Right. When, when Macron says something, French people aren't going to be like, oh, they're going to, they're going to think all French people think this and they're going to try to kill us. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, we had some fun this weekend. <laughs> we had a great time. Yeah. It's part of the reason why weekends like this are so important. Yeah. I was talking with Daniel, and we were like, if October 7th didn't happen, we wouldn't have had this weekend. But did we plan this weekend after that? Oh, way after. Are you sure? It's been months since October 7th. Yeah, I know, I know, but like... Definitely. It wasn't in the works before October 7th? I mean, it was in the works for years. No, no, no. It was in the works for years, and only after October 7th did we pull the trigger and all get together. And, uh... (laughs) Yeah. And, like, why is that, you know? Because we need each other now. And, and, like, so... So you could so like for anyone who's listening like you could you could hear that and think like oh all these people need to get together to like feel safe of like talking about October 7th and being Jewish and things like that and I know for me coming into this I actually was concerned that it would consume a lot of the weekend We didn't talk about that stuff at all. Exactly. I, I, I spoke to our other friend downstairs yeah. and we were like and he said the same thing like he was concerned that we were going to be talking yeah. about it all weekend. Totally. We didn't. And is that interesting? It it's like we just needed a place to be ourselves yes, and, and be comfortable. Because in every conversation, in every like interaction I have with friends in Los Angeles, my neighbors, my friends, Jewish or non-Jewish, the new current status of the world is looming over me. And it wasn't looming over me this weekend. It wasn't looming over me. It yeah. was just we could be ourselves. We could joke about the past. We got pretty silly and fun. And it was great. It was yeah. such a, thank you, man. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for the great weekend. Don't make me emotional, dude. Why? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you cry. Ever. I've never seen you cry. It's emotional. Oh, I almost I almost cried. I almost cried at the checkout at the grocery store when I was uh, buying things for Hanukkah. I had to get, like, more guilt. We were having some people over, and I wanted to get, like, more guilt and, like, more Hanukkah candles. And there's one grocery store that sells that in our city. And so I went to that grocery store and, um, and like, it's December, you know, things are, things are certainly tense and I'm like concerned about going into the store and walking through the store and carrying these things and going to checkout and I get to the register and I have all these items and I pay, finish the transaction and the cashier tells me happy Hanukkah. And that was a moment where I almost like broke down to tears because up until that moment, I was really uh, anxious about like having you know who I am on display and being out in public like that. Yeah. But that small, <laughs> that small happy Hanukkah, uh, it like demonstrated to me that like <laughs> you're all right, like it's okay, like I like happy Hanukkah, you know, like it was such a welcome thing when like usually in December it's Christmas season. Every time you go to a checkout, someone's telling you Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Christmas. Holiday, right? Yeah. right? But for her to uh, to say Happy Hanukkah, whether or not it was significant to her or not, you know, um, to me, I was like, oh my goodness, what a relief. Like, oh, it was really, it was like really warming. Man. And I carry that every day, no big deal. <laughs> uh, we all do, dude. We all do. We're some freaked out Jews. Freaked out Jews. And that's why this show's a commercial success. <laughs> Damn. That was a beautiful talk. Go downstairs and tell everyone how much fun it was to be on this so they're going to be enticed to come talk to me too. (laughs) Okay. Come a little closer. Just come a little bit closer. Just come a little bit closer. Bring the mic over here. You're still really far away from the mic. No, it's going to pick me up pretty good.
Test, test. One, two. Okay, stop, stop. All right. Okay, Steve, 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 Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. You're my oldest friend here. We're receiving some accolades here? Yeah, I'm not going to say it. Uh, you're the most like me. In fact, when we took mushrooms, I saw you and I thought you were me, and it really scared me. That's what happened to me, too. I know, and you saw me, and you thought that I was you. Yeah, we flipped. <laughs> that was so scary. Yeah, that was a real mind F. And I had to like walk away. Can we curse on here? Yeah, we can curse on here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get serious. Mm. Although, the joking around is welcomed right now. Dan really brought the emotions. Mm. Um, all right. Steve, you're a freak out Jew. You were a freak out Jew before October 7th, like in a doomsday prepper kind of way. You're yeah. always, you were you were very freaked out about the, the climate. Yeah, a little bit less specifically about the, the about Jewish. the Jewish stuff, yeah. Not really yeah. Jewish. But you're always scared of Always pain. aware of it, though. I was one of those people that yeah. grew up with... You know, parents always reminding you. So right, right now, are, would you call yourself a freaked out Jew? Like, about Jewish stuff? Yes. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's, it's something that's changed really drastically and immediately from October 7th on. Just because we've seen, I think, our worst fears play out in real time in front of our eyes. Uh, in a way that almost seems surreal. Right? It's all the things that we're like, you know, we're in the back of our minds, but we maybe would suppress, or at least I would. Right. Uh, and now we're watching it. Oh no, those people are out there, and there are a lot of them. You we, you lost some friendships in, in the, the process. I remember, or, or you have no, no, you don't want to talk about that. I got a no, I got a no face. Uh, okay, here's just like a random thing from our text chain that you talked about that freaked me out more than I even let you know on the text chain because I didn't want to freak you out about it, but it did freak me out more than I let everyone know. Is <laughs> this random little story about your contractor? Can you tell uh, me what yeah. happened? Remind me what happened with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, in all situations, I think over the past, let's say, 30 years, or maybe like as an adult, um, you know, when you let people know about your Jewishness, I would always assume that, you know, I wasn't going to be judged or like have prejudice against me for it. Like I felt comfortable as a Jew for the most part, right? Outside of maybe a few situations over the years. And I think now... Since October 7th in particular, we've had, you know, both, we always knew that there was things going on in the far right. And, you know, I live in a town that's 97% Democratic. So it's like, I'm in a bubble. I don't experience that directly most of the time, right? And now, after October 7th, it seems like we're really getting attacked from the left as well. Right. And so now it's, it's suddenly very close to home. Every time, very commonly now, when I drive through my town, uh, to get on the highway, I go through this little roundabout, and that roundabout is a common place for people to protest. Every few days, there's uh, you know sort of ceasefire, Gaza, kind of Gaza protests. Yeah, and the demographics of those people are they like Muslim or you think they're no, they're mostly white, mostly white, blue hair. Yes, right, precisely. Yeah. So I think I just I, I say that only to uh, because now I suddenly feel like if I'm going to expose my background, my Judaism. I suddenly don't feel like that's going to be received well. And so that's just sort See, of the background to this experience that we had recently where, you know, we're, we're looking for contractors for various projects that we're working on. Most of them small. For your house. But yeah, for our house. And, and, you know, we moved into a house a couple of years ago and there's, it, there's a lot of different things, you know, as a homeowner you have to deal with. And <clears throat> so we have a few things. Uh, and we, I, I've had an ad up on Craigslist, basically like looking for, a, you know, a builder 
and you know the idea being I'll probably encounter a bunch of different people and then hopefully I'll find one or two that like maybe we can work with on things on some things in the future. So somebody reaches out. You could just read 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 me the combo with them. Okay. Um. So. Somebody replies to my ad. Good morning, Steve. My name is John. Blank. Uh, been building houses for over fifteen years. I have a degree in chemistry as well. For the past few years, I've been working in a mill, building cabinets and furniture. I would love to see your plans, and perhaps I might be able to help you out. So, a few days later, I, I respond, Hi, John. Thanks for reaching out. Would you be able to provide some examples of work that you've done? Uh, and then he replies almost immediately, one minute later, Mostly residential framing and remodeling. I have some finished work and some millwork experience. And I said, uh, Do you have any pics? And also, maybe some references I could check with. And then he replies, Do you have an email? I sent him my email. My email is just my name, first name, last name at Gmail. And I have a name that no one else has. Right. So uh, if you Google my name, you will find me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you'll find there's information about me. You can find my LinkedIn, all of my work experience. You can you know, find, uh, if you really want to look, you can figure out where I live. Right. Uh, you can probably find out some other contact information. You know, there's a lot there if you really want to find out. Right. Right. And... <clears throat> So he then replies with a screenshot of my LinkedIn. Okay. Okay, so now this guy has ID'd me. Yeah. And he said, is this you? And uh, without really thinking much, I just said yes, because I was like, you know, okay, he's just confirming who I am. You know, that's it. And then one minute later, without any sort of break or pause for contemplation, he just replies with the word Jewish, question mark. Oh, my God. So... He- you sent this in our text group, our toxic text group. You wrote, toxic text group. you wrote, uh, you told us the story. And you were like, the weirdest thing happened to me. And you told us that. And everyone was like debating if it was like what what the guy's angle was. And I, right. I'll admit that I didn't want to freak you out, but I was really freaked out by that. I really, I was like, that is just, even if that guy wasn't uh, malicious in asking that question, the like chemical Jewish response I had in my body was very freaked out that he fear, asked that yeah, and fearful. just like it was fearful. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and I think again, there's there are um, there are ways to explain this question that are not nefarious. Yes, right. It's you know maybe he's married to a Jewish person and yeah. you know he maybe he even identifies as Jewish. His name is John F. and his last name is not a Jewish last right, name. Right, so right. Uh, and. You know, or he maybe has some Jewish neighbors, or right. you know, whatever. There's like lots there's of reasons. Lots of like, it. and still, there's not a lot of grace to the question. Jewish yeah. question mark, especially in a time like this, it's like then it's not self aware. Yeah, and so the, not, the yeah. debate was around like, do I respond to him? If I do respond to him, what do I say? Uh, and you know, I have I have small children at home. Um, you know, like my my angle here is not to be like the prideful bear Jew who you know. We'll, we'll, we'll lure him in and beat his ass. Yeah, or, right, right. Or just like is looking for some sort of a confrontation. Like, what's yeah. savage? You know, yeah. it's not, that's, you know, I, I, my goal is to be uh, right. a good person and to protect my family. You know? That's an interesting thing you brought up there because that's something I think about a lot. I think about in past anti-Semitic times what I would do in this situation and my classic Jeff delusions of grandeur always I'm like, I would lurk in the shadows and just like beat the fuck out of any of these anti-semitic people rising up and now that i have children and live in a society with cameras everywhere 
I'm like, oh, I guess I can't really do all those fantasies. <laughs> like, not that I'm a violent person, but like, I always like think of myself as that bear Jew. Like, I'm a defender of the Jews. If this right. guy's like, oh, you Jew, I would have been like, yeah, fuck you, come over here and I'll and I'll show yeah. you what this Jew will do to your face. Right. But um, I do have kids and they need me, and I can't assault someone. Right. <laughs> well, not only that, but like, this guy knows where I live. Oh, like, right. He's he's googled my right. name. Like, he's willing to do a little research. Like, he he can find out very easily where I live. So, you know, if he has a bone to pick with the Jews, now I am a good bone for him to, to you to know, pick on. to pick on. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, my initial reaction was basically ghost him. Don't say anything. Yeah. And there were others in the group who were like, yeah, tell him that you're Jewish and, and find out why he's asking. Right. And it's probably harmless. And I agree. I think that like there's a better than average chance that like the guy's just trying to like be friendly in a weird way or like, you know, somehow establish some rapport with me um, i remember saying like at least he didn't say are you a jew because that seems right. a little bit more aggressive right than jewish question mark yeah but also you know if you google me um there isn't really anything that would necessarily think they'd say like this is a jewish person you know like my name is not overtly jewish i, I look a little bit jewish but like if you're looking at the pictures of me that you would surface when you google yeah. my name like it's not like this is an extremely like you know overtly jewish looking person like me <laughs> <laughs> i have dark hair and like right. a, you know a, a, an above average nose um, <laughs> <laughs> you, look like a, you're, you're like a swashbuckling jew yeah i mean like the it brings me back to like why is this person asking this question you know, like and, why? And the fact that we have to be so freaked out by it is a reason to freak out. The fact that there is, a, you know, even a, a single digits percent chance that this is a person that is so uh, hateful towards Jews that he needed to find out if I'm Jewish, potentially to tell me off or to say that he wasn't willing to work with me because I'm a Jew or any for any number of reasons right right like, like but the fact that that's a distinct possibility and it feels very real in this moment i think is scary and so you know in the end i decided not to say anything i just didn't respond uh he didn't follow up um and that's that i don't expect to really hear anything more from him but it was a weird experience you yeah. know and it's again that these are things that are playing out again and again and here's what i want to say People talk about uh, privilege, like, you know, uh, the, the left, it's really big. Who's got privilege? It's like whoever's at the top of the privilege chain, they're the... They're... And how remorseful are you of your privilege? Yeah, and people put Jews at the top of the privilege chain. If safety is something that people consider when considering privilege, Jews are the least privileged. I think that's right. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the number of hate uh, uh, attacks there are in our country... And it is, by a wide margin, weighted more heavily towards Jews. So if you buy into this privilege ladder and you agree that safety is a pillar of privilege and people tell you that Jews are the most privileged people in America, don't trust them. Right. I think people in bubbles are less willing to engage in real conversation and real, like, oppositionary views in a civil way like we're out of practice right we've just been kind of yelling past one another for a long time now yeah and i got a sauna in my backyard and the well, purpose for that okay. sauna yeah is to create space for a conversation um and it's intentional like it, because in a weird way like you know you get into a sauna you're, you start to sweat 
you know, it's, it, it puts you out of your maybe comfort zone in a way that I think allows you to, to talk more openly. Um, and I've tried to bring people in with that have different views. And it's interesting because I've, you know, in some cases people won't come. They just can't yeah. even think about having conversations. Especially if you don't know them. No, no. I hey, totally come to my sauna and talk to me. <laughs> so I have a couple thoughts on this. Interesting. A, you should invite that that contractor into the sauna. Just be like, you want to know if I'm Jewish? Come to my sauna. Uh, B, you should start a podcast in that you sauna. Come to my sauna. Come to How my is sauna. he going to find out I'm Jewish? In the sauna. Open the <laughs> towel, bro. Uh, and B, you should host a podcast in the sauna. Ooh, I like that. Steve Schmitz. No, or like, things get ste- steamy with Steve. <laughs> steamy conversations. <laughs> yeah. Or, or gets, saunas are a dry heat, but <laughs> semantics. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. You want a hug? Sure. You want a hug? Okay. okay. Let's get the audio. What's the ASMR? Listen to our hug. shirt from me. All right. Goodbye. My name's Jeff. I'm calling in from California. My name's Dora, and I'm joining you from London. Out of 16 million, we are two. Two freaked out Jews.